Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock uh. Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, coach it in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Drive-In Podcast Network. They've got a ton of great uh, other podcasts on here with us we are excited to be a part of. Got the Film Optics Podcast, The Devi Delight. We've also got Geek Vibes Radio, Call Me By Your Commentary, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, The Music City Drive-In, and Top 10 with Tia. We are extremely proud to be part of this network and cannot wait to continue to watch it grow. You can check all of that out on MusicCityDriveIn.com. For today's episode, Dennis and Matt will be joining me. We're going to talk about the AFC West as uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. We know Patrick Mahomes just got paid. And we also will be talking about our Scott Fishbowl drafts. I do apologize ahead of time. We were having some issues with an echo, so it may pop up here and there in the podcast. Working on getting that fixed, uh, but we did not want to. Uh, it, it was popping up a little bit here and there in the live stream. We did not want to cut off the podcast audience due to that. So you will hear that here and there. We apologize about that ahead of time. Hope everybody enjoys the episode, and we will be back again on Thursday. <laughs> All right, and we are live on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. We got Dennis and Matt here on Scott Fishbowl 10 Day. How you boys doing? Well, I'll tell you, I'm just happy to be out of the hot sun up here. I've been building a deck for my wife's new pool, and, and uh, you know, I wouldn't say I'm terribly handy, 
Um, so it's a long, slow process, but I'm almost ready, probably four hours from being able to start applying decking boards. So, and I only started yesterday, so I guess I'll take it. Well, uh, yeah, today was kind of a day where they, they told everyone who's been working from home and stuff, it's time to come back to the office. Uh, so it was exciting and nothing spells productivity to me. Like, welcome back. We want you to really get a lot done this week. Here are 45 meetings you have to attend in the next four days. Right. So I feel like today was one long meeting that, that was filled with moments of sadness. But thankfully, we had Scott Fishbowl going on. We had the Podathon to listen to. So, you know, helped it be a little more exciting. Yeah, it's it's been uh, this. Is, I know me and Matt. This is our first year in Scott Fishbowl Ten, so I'm I'm excited to see. It's been playing out very interesting. I'm I'm already hating my team, but I I usually hate my teams as I'm drafting them. So it'll be fun. We'll definitely talk about it more Thursday. Hopefully, we'll have Tony with us. He's in it as well. We can kind of discuss how our teams are looking four days in. Although my draft seems to be taking forever right now compared to your guys. So I'm sure you guys will be much further than me. But Matt. Uh, we've got our own league that we are trying to put together right now, our listener league, and you had another idea you came up with for uh, a chance to get into it. So why don't you tell our listeners how to jump in or get win a spot to get into the listener league? Yeah, we had our, our last contest was on uh, 4th of July where the American Patriot, Joey Chestnut, ate 75 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. Uh, new world record, um, incredible athletic feat, 13 years in a row he won. So he added uh, the winning uh, – the the winning bid that was accepted, we had a couple of people that made guesses uh, that decided not to go into the league, but the winning bid that was accepted was 77, so not too far off. Um, somebody had mentioned that, that they were unclear about the league, so I thought I'd reiterate now it's going to be 14 teams, uh, PPR, Superflex, and it's redraft. So if you're going to make a bid, just know that that's what you're going in on. But since it's Scott Fishbowl Day, and Scott Fishbowl is really about – uh, giving back to charity and giving back to the community. Uh, we wanted to open it up. If you make a donation to the uh, Scott Fishbowl Podathon, which is still going on, they started at 8 Eastern last night and they're going till 8 Eastern tonight. You can find them at SFB Podathon on Twitter. Uh, and there's a real easy way to click on the link and send a donation. If you make a donation there, screenshot confirmation and send it to me in DM. Uh, we'll take as many as the first three. Uh, that that put that in uh, that want to give back to charity i know you guys uh, have donated as vi so uh, you know we just want to support that and the good work that's going on there this year i believe it's split between toys for tots and the equal justice initiative and if you can't donate that's fine we're obviously everybody's got different means financially we'll still have other spots open but we did kind of want to give back to that this year we sponsored a bunch of shows uh, the roundtable did on this as well. I thought it'd be a uh, Matt brought it up, and I, I thought it was a good idea. I know Dennis did as well. It's kind of donate to that. It's a great cause. That, that's exactly what Scott Fishbowl is all about. So figure we could do our part a little bit with our league as well. So as you guys can see down there, a little uh, scrolling across the bottom, we are talking about the AFC West, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Denver Broncos. And of course, uh, you know, as the NFL knew we were recording today, they decided to release the Patrick Mahomes news. Thankful. For that, because, you know, they're, they're always – I know Roger Goodell and them are listening uh, to us. Uh, uh, let's see. Well, Dennis, I see your note. We'll touch on that at the end. Uh, <laughs> I did not notice that. I went right by that. Uh, but before we get to – we'll save the Mahomes stuff when we get later into actually talking about the team. 
Well, before last year, as I mentioned, Super Bowl champions. Do you guys repeat or out of the playoffs in 2020? You can only pick one. Repeat as Super Bowl champions? Yes, or out of the playoffs. I'm going to take out of the playoffs. Uh, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I just don't think they'll repeat as Super Bowl champion. So if those are my only two options, I've, I, I've got to take out of the playoffs. I guess if those are my only two, this, this is painful to say, I, I would lean more toward repeat as champions than out of the playoffs because I, I think it would take something catastrophic for them not to miss the playoffs, but they're they're a pretty good team. Okay, yeah, I, I, I kind of figured you guys. I, I know they're probably – they're going to make the playoffs, I'm sure. I just wanted to see if I could get you, you guys – You just fit. wanted me to get voted off of Broncos Twitter, um, <laughs> which I think is kind of cruel. <laughs> All right, so their new additions, it's actually really surprising how much they have not really done. Uh, there's not been a lot of losses or real gains on this team. They've brought back almost their entire Super Bowl team. So I just wanted to throw this in there for our buddy there, Matt Fox, big XFL fan. Uh, Jordan Tamu out of uh, – where did he come out of college again? Uh, Saint, I don't know about that, but he was the St. Louis oh. Battlehawks in the XFL. Pretty sure it was Ole Miss, but yes, the St. Louis Battlehawks out of XFL, they signed him, and then they obviously drafted uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That was kind of the big news, obviously, during the NFL draft in the first round. Uh, they did lose Spencer Ware and their expiring contracts after this year. None of that would really bother fantasy owners, but I threw him on here anyway. Sammy Watkins, Damian Williams, and Demarcus Robinson. Fantasy finishes last year, Patrick Mahomes, QB8. 292.04. Um, he, yeah, got a big, big fat fucking contract as, as you guys put in here. Uh, did miss some obviously games with the dislocated kneecap. Damian Williams, RB34, 111.1. DeAndre Washington, RB42 with 85.9. Tyree Kill, wide receiver 28, 130.3. McCole Hardman, wide receiver 49, 93.5. Sammy Watkins, wide receiver 52. With 86.5 points. And then Kelsey, tight end one, 157.3. Two years ago, Mahomes was QB1 last year. Some of it, I think the injury hurt him. Obviously, the rise of Lamar Jackson. Does Mahomes return to QB1 in 2020? I think a lot of it hinges on how much less Lamar Jackson runs. You know, if he drops from, what was it, close to 1,300 yards to 800 yards and he does, and, and they don't throw the, don't have an uptick in passing the ball. I mean, he was super efficient with 36 touchdown passes last year. And I think that that, that amount of rushing yards and that type of touchdown efficiency are pretty hard to repeat. Um, I, Honestly, I think it's a coin flip in part because Mahomes is going to, you know, they're going to throw the ball. They've got CEH, but from all intents and purposes, part of the plan there is to throw him the ball. Um, They still have Damian Williams, and he's not just going to lay down and give the job to Edwards Alaire. But I think they'll, they'll probably pass the ball more than than most teams in the NFL when you've got Kelsey and Hill uh, and a host of other targets. Um, the opportunity is there for Mahomes to put up, you know, a 40 touchdown season with 5,000 yards. Uh, 
So I, I guess between the two of them, I'm going to go ahead and say Mahomes will be the QB one. Yeah, I mean, I think this this entire episode is obviously geared toward getting me thrown out of my desired fan base. So I'd like to thank you for that up front. But uh, Mahomes probably. It, well, I mean, the the whole second half of this is going to be you waxing poetic about the Broncos. So I mean, who are we really kidding here? Let's I mean, be honest. The whole second. I half didn't of even this do any show 50, prep for the second half of the show. A 15-minute diatribe about Melvin Gordon. That's what it's no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Somebody took him in the second round and Scott Fishbowl, and I, I just had to walk away. Uh, but, you know, Mahomes missed uh, two uh, – he, he literally didn't start two games, but you forget he came out really early in that Denver game when he injured his knee. So he essentially missed three games and had 36 touchdown passes. I think – uh, if he's in there for 16 games with the weapons they have, um, you know, I was just writing today about Nicole Hartman, who, you know, I think some of us are curious to see if he can take a step, step up. Um, you know, they'll probably have a little bit better running game, but I, I don't ever think they're going to be the power running team. That hasn't really been Andy Reid's style anywhere he's been. It's not hard to imagine him easily cresting over 40 touchdowns. And if Lamar takes even a little bit of a, a step back, maybe runs less, maybe a little less efficient defense is keying on him more. Holmes could be right back up there at QB1. Yeah, I agree with you guys on that. Uh, I, I obviously talked about how I've got Lamar taking a step back, and I've, I already have Patrick Mahomes as my QB1. We did our QB ranks a couple weeks ago, so I, I'm, I'm all in on that. Uh, we all did our, our running back ranks last Thursday, and we all seem to have CEH and Williams splitting time in 2020. If that is your opinion, how do you guys view the time split going with those two? I think at the beginning of the season, uh, I think if he's healthy, Damian Williams will be the starter. He's uh, probably only going to be super healthy at the very beginning. of the Correct. Season. Based on his history. So Williams will be the starter at the beginning of the season, and then they'll work Edwards Alaire in. And if he does what he looks like he can do, then he's going to earn playing time pretty quickly. You know, I don't know if, he's got the chops to be the runner that Williams does. And I'm not, I guess that that sold on Williams as a runner. Um, I I was pretty down on him last year. So I I do think it's going to be a split. I think it might be split a little more towards Williams in the first half of the season and more towards Edwards Alaire in the second half of the season. Yeah, I think this is a, place where you could see a wide range of outcomes if you took ceh number one in your rookie drafts i think you're hoping for a, a kareem hunt spencer Ware type situation where you know the one guy comes out and starts the season and very quickly the rookie comes in there and kind of establishes themselves and 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 takes it over but this is an off season like any other um you know there's a very great potential we have zero uh live game snaps until uh week 1 for the Chiefs which is going to be you know literally opening night uh at home unveiling the Super Bowl banner facing the Texans I I don't Williams has been very capable and at times has been very good for fantasy and for their offense if he can stay healthy and get into a good rhythm you know I think he could definitely have more of a role and more work for longer in the season than what some people are thinking. Yeah, I think we've we've kind of talked about 
out of that nauseum here with the rookie running backs. I'll be interested to see how much run Williams gets early on, especially with them having such little time. So uh, I agree with you guys. I think it will be a split. I think it may be more 50-50 even at the beginning just because CEH is so talented. But I agree with what Dennis has been saying for the past couple episodes now. Williams is just not going to go away. Is Hill the only wide receiver you guys trust on this team? I think it depends on what you want them to do. If you're looking for, you know, in best ball, obviously McCole Hardman has a ton of allure in best ball. Um, in best ball, Sammy Watkins has some because you know Watkins is going to have one big ass game at some point this season. Uh, but if you're looking, if you're expecting anything more probably than a wide receiver three performance out of another wide out in Kansas City, you're going to be let down. So they're going to be wide receiver three to five, even with the volume because of the amount of passing they do to the, to the running backs. And it, it's Tyreek Hill and Jason Kelsey at the top of the pack. Travis, Travis Kelsey. Yeah. That dude too. Hey, J- yep. Jason J- <laughs> might be the next best tight end. <laughs> Isn't he a center? Now I saw the, the do you see there some dude drafted Matt Barkley at the one oh two. See that, yeah. And, and so they, they put out a charity thing. If he didn't change the pick that and he made the playoffs, a bunch of people are donating money to charity and he posted something. He said he was gonna draft tight end Jason Kelsey and I forget who the other person that wasn't a skill player, but he gave him a skill position title. Uh with his That's next sort two of, picks. Uh, Reminds me, as I mentioned in our Twitter chat last night, so hard up for entertainment. I restarted the league and uh, the the premiere episode of the league when the guy drafts uh, Keyshawn Johnson, who who at the time was a commentator. That's the yeah. uh, kind of drafting Matt Barkley at one hundred two and Scott Fishbowl. Right, Matt. What are your thoughts on Hill? Any anybody else you trust out of that wide receiver group? I mean, can we clarify, are we just trusting him as a receiver on the field? Because I'm not letting him watch my children or anyone I care about. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think in terms of wide receivers, it's really it's Hill and Kelsey. Um, and like Dennis said, those other guys have a game here or there. But if you're rolling with them every week, that's that's really tough. Until Unless we see Hardman take some kind of meaningful step forward. Um, this year. I mean, Sammy Watkins scored three touchdowns last year. They were all opening day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we've been waiting for Demarcus Robinson now for going on five years to step up and be consistent. Uh, you know, he, he, other than having a good first couple years, he's as inconsistent as Sammy Watkins. Yeah. I was, I was a big Demarcus Robinson fan. Kelsey easily tied in one this year. Yes. Uh, yeah, because I think he's going to get more volume than Kittle. I think Kittle is the better tight end. And if if both teams, in my, in my opinion, if you had both teams with the same passing volume, I think Kittle would be the yeah. tight end one. But I just don't think San Fran's going to throw the ball that much. Yeah, it's the it's the passing volume that's the real difference. If you think Mahomes is getting the 44 touchdowns and you won't trust any receiver not named Tyreek Hill, you know, Kelsey's in for a monster season. Kittle obviously going to be the best receiver there, especially with Samuel potentially missing a lot of time, but I just don't think they throw it as much. 
All right, so let's get into this Patrick Mahomes uh, lifetime contract here. Uh, he's given a 10-year extension worth $503 million. He gets $477 million in a guarantee mechanisms, which gives the ability for Mahomes to have outs if the guarantee mechanisms aren't exercised. No trade clause. Believe it. I know Dennis mentioned something about uh, – what, what was it that you were talking about off air with the I- – I thought I saw Schefter tweet something about it was going to be tied to a percentage of the salary cap. So if the salary cap, so I would, I would guess that that, that would be something to minimize uh, or, or make it easier for the team to manage the contract and still bring in good players while paying Mahomes essentially uh, number one money, top, top end money. But you still have to think that's going to be limiting. I mean, this is what we've seen with a lot of these teams that are kind of up and coming. You have you have your super competitive window. You probably get to and win a Super Bowl with your franchise quarterback on their rookie deal. And once you have to pay them big time, even though it sounds, you know, it's very it's it's wise that they're trying to tie it to a salary cap percentage and trying to you know, and that we've seen great quarterbacks like Manning and Brady give money back or take less to try to, to make their team better to compete. And moms may very well do that, but you have to look at this as shrinking. You know, Kansas city wasn't the team that had the greatest salary cap position to begin with. Um, so they're really, it puts, in my opinion, it puts a lot more pressure on doing well in drafts. I think we saw that was part of the problem with the Rams. They made it all the way to the Super Bowl, and then they paid out everyone. And now they're kind of in salary cap hell and, they had traded away all their picks and they're sort of screwed for a little bit. Yeah, I bet Dak Scott is just loving life right now after after seeing Patrick Mahomes deal and Jerry Jones is probably pretty pissed off. Yeah, it's I mean, so he's actually extended for another twelve years with the Chiefs, right? Out assuming he doesn't yep. take his out or anything, he's gonna be with the Chiefs for twelve years more years it's just I mean it makes sense I, I feel like everybody's been saying that for the past couple of years with the way Mahomes has played that he's going to be the first you know 400 million dollar player I, obviously he deserves it he, he's one of the best players in, in, in the NFL uh today so I'm excited for I'll be interested to see what happens moving forward I mean there's no I hate to keep going back to that there's no way that gets like anywhere close to that right as much as I like Dak I gotta say no it's 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 He's going to get, you know, and even if he got, say, an average annual salary close to that, it isn't going to be for 10 years. Yeah, I mean, you, I think it's more fair when they're talking about comparing Dak's contract to somebody like Carson Wentz. Um, you, Mahomes feels like it's just a radically different he feels like a generational talent who's already gone and won a super bowl um i'm not i'm trying to recall i don't think dax i don't think they've won a playoff game have they i i don't know yeah i i'm not what? sure Two years ago. oh they won, Two years ago, they won. I, I thought you Maybe. were just giving me the finger i didn't realize that was no that's that <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. yeah that's right i forgot they did win one but i just you know, I guess we see what Dallas does this season. I I would think at this point, um, since Dallas made a 
a calculated move not to sign them to a big contract last year, and they're in this franchise tag window, that this might effectively just mean Dak's playing the franchise tag this year, and you see how he does, and see if you can get a little more leverage back if you're Dallas, because they made some big, splashy contract commitments already. I don't know that they can even afford to pay him $40 million a year and have more than three players on their team. I would just love to be able to read the owner's group chat and see how much Al Clark Hunt's getting right now. <laughs> he just he took a break from the chat. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't... They've been talking about $40 million for Mahomes for a long time, so I don't think yeah. this exactly comes out of left field. It's the length and the, the total dollar figure that probably is what's flooring people. Well, I would say I think every other owner would probably be doing the same thing outside of Jerry Jones, maybe, since apparently he don't want to pay anybody. Like, I think all the other owners would be like, give me that Patrick Mahomes for $40 million a year for 12 more years. Let's go. Sign me up right now. All right, let's do some over-unders. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, QB2. Wait, we need to before we. Oh, over yeah. Bad. Over-bad. Wait, yeah. Over-bad. Over bad. Under is good. You're good. Yeah, there we go. So Patrick Mahomes, QB two, over under. Under. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll go under too. As will uh ADP of twenty one point eight three. He is the first QB off the board. Of course that's gonna probably mess up well no, never mind. DLF is not off MFL, so it shouldn't mess up there's too much. Uh Jackson, Murray, and Prescott are all going after him. I assume we're not taking any of those over him. I know I'm not. Not usually. But I can make the argument in, you know, in 20 leagues, I probably am going to take Jackson and Prescott in a grand total of five of them. So I only have 15 shares of my home, my homes. You know, I might take four shares of, of Jackson and two shares of Prescott or something like that across 20 leagues. And that's probably why you're a good fantasy player, because I don't diversify like that at all. I'm like Baker in every league. Let's go. But we're talking about taking him over him. You're saying that if every quarterback was on the board, you would still take Dak Prescott over Patrick Mahomes? If I had 15 shares of Patrick Mahomes and I'm drafting Team 16, yeah. Uh, I just, well, I mean, I, that's, I, I just, I got to diversify. I can't, I can't have this as, as good as it, as, as good as the player may be. I just couldn't have the same starting because if, if he gets injured, then every single team you have is fucked. And so I, I, I guess it, it, across twenty leagues, I just, I, I've got to diversify. I've got a couple shares. I don't have any more CMC, but this season I've, I've picked up a couple shares of Barkley, uh, even though it's been expensive. Just because I'm like, I've got to at some point, I've got to reach up and, and add these one of these top two guys to my rosters. No, I mean, I understand that as someone who was in, uh, how many was I in last year? Now I was only in 38 last year. I think oh I'm up in forties now, but oh I, so I think oh, in only 38 leagues last year, I'm pretty sure in like 35 of them, I had Baker and Odell last year was not a great year for me. So I understand diversifying there, Dennis. I really do. When you, when you go out and buy Baker and Odell in every league and then, they do what they did. And they weren't even injured last year for the most part. So, yeah, I understand the diversifying thing. I don't know if I could do it, but I understand the argument. CEH, RB15 in 2020. 
over. Over, yeah. I will go over as well. His ADP right now is 13. He is a ninth RB off the board. That's probably wrong. I feel like I messed that up somewhere. But uh, before him, Miles Sanders, Nick Chubb, and Joe Mixon. Are you taking any him over any of those three? Nope. Uh, no. Nope. Neither am I. I might take Chubb. Um, actually, I would take Chubb and Mixon over him. I'm No, my bad. No, I'm those are going before him. Yep, you're right. I was just testing to make sure you guys are paying attention. Yeah, I'm not taking <laughs> any of those three. Behind him, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, and Derrick Henry. You taking any of those three over CEH? I, you know, I can make a, make a strong case for all of them. So, it, again, it comes down to a diversification. So, let's go. Let's do this exercise. I have one team. <laughs> um. <laughs> You can't be on the podcast anymore, Dennis. Sorry. Uh, it's a I, 32 minimum. If, if, if I've got one team, I'm I'm probably going to take Jacobs and Henry over the rookie running back, and it'd be a coin flip with Taylor um, just because I know what I'm – I feel like I know what I'm getting with the veteran. I've seen him perform at an NFL level. I feel more confident in where where they are in their team's offense. So I would probably take Jacobs and Henry both over CEH. Uh, and Taylor, it's going to go back and forth with me. You know, Am I looking for a guy that I think is going to be a receiving back with some running? Then I'm taking CEH. Am I looking for a guy that I know is going to pound the rock for 250 to 280 carries this season uh, once Marlon Mack has moved on? Uh, then I might go Taylor. Once Marlon Mack moves on in a week? <laughs> It'll be like week <laughs> Oh, give him a um, I, I'd probably take all three of them over. Yikes. I'd take Taylor. I, I don't trust Jacobs and Henry. The hate flows strong in me. I'm not going to give in. I'd take Taylor, but that's about it. Um, I'm, you can miss me with Jacobs and Henry. With the, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Damian Williams, RB26, over or under? Over. That's a good number. Um, I, I think I'm going to go over because like I said, I feel like they're going to split time pretty evenly. Um, and as, as much as the passing game may go to the running backs, I, I think more of it'll go to CEH. So I, I, I think, uh, Williams will be over 28. As do I. ADP of 134.17. RB 47 off the board. Just ahead of them, Matt Breida, Tony Pollard, and Jordan Howard. You taking him over any of those three? I would uh, take him over Pollard and Howard. I, I think I would take him uh, over Pollard, but I think I'd probably go Breida and Howard both over him. I would take him over Pollard as well. I'd, I'd still keep Howard and Breida. Uh, just behind him, McFarland, Henderson, and Darrington Evans. You take in any of those three over Williams? I actually like Henderson, so I would take him. Yeah, I, I think of the three, Henderson is the one I would take. Um, I, I go back and forth. It, it, you know, looking at how the backfields could potentially play out with the with the um, Chargers and with the Chiefs. Uh, I think the case can be made for either one of them to be, you know, your RB3, RB4. 
Um, but I'd probably I'd probably take Henderson over Williams. It'd be close for me with Henderson as well. Uh, I do think Acres gets a little bit more run than Henderson does, but I agree with you guys uh, when we talked about the Rams a couple weeks ago. I would still take Evans over him. I, I've been big on Evans for a while now. I think he easily uh, kind of solidifies a role in the passing game there with the Titans, and I think he's got long, more long-term value than Williams does. So I, I would still take Evans. Tyree Kill, wide receiver of six in 2020, over or under? I think I'd go just slightly over. Yeah, I guess I'll take slightly over because I think that's about the right spot. I will go over as well with an ADP of 9.83. He is the third wide receiver off the board. Just ahead of him, Hopkins and Thomas. You're not taking him over either one of those two, are you? Nope. Definitely not Thomas. Uh, I, You know, it depends on – your long view, I I feel, with Hopkins. Moving to a new team, historically, players struggle. And he's moving to a new team with a head coach and an offense that the jury is kind of still out on. And potentially it could be a spread the ball around a lot more than he was used to in Houston. Um, after four or five – you know, I probably uh, am going to take Nuke, um, but I can see the case for taking Hale. Uh, I I would not, but uh, I just believe more in Hopkins and Thomas. Uh, just behind him, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, and DJ Moore. Are uh, you taking any of those three over him? Probably not more, though. Um, you know, he's he's gaining some steam in the industry. Uh, but I think there's a strong case for Adams or Godwin. Um, I would probably, boy, I've never, I, I got to be honest, I've never been faced with this conundrum. And so I don't know 100% what I would do. I do. I would take all three of them. For player purposes or because he's a piece of shit person? Both. <laughs> Okay. I, I mean, I I have Godwin and Adams ranked higher than him, and I I like DJ Moore's potential more. I I'm not sure Hill ends up being with them super long term, or that he stays healthy or or at his level. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm just not sure about a long a long term investment. I think I like DJ Moore's potential future there better and obviously you guys if you were reading our twitter chat i apparently went zero rb and scott fishbowl because i can't quit chris godwin so i'm never gonna <laughs> never gonna pass him up i like adams too i mean when we had our auction league i i went for adams and godwin over tyree kill I, I mean i had to mortgage my entire team to get them yeah, Adams and Godwin easily for me. Moore would be a coin flip. I really like Moore too. Um, I've, I think I've been the highest on Carolina and that offense out of this group, and, and I think Moore is going to play a big part of that with Teddy Bridgewater and Joe Brady. So it, it would be a coin flip for me. I would to go the Dennis route. If I had a certain amount of shares of Hill, I would diversify with Moore. Like it, it'd be, I, I could go either way with it, with one of those guys. Uh, Miko Hardman, wide receiver, twenty-seven over or under. Over. I, I I say over. 
though. If he finished at wide receiver 22, um, you know, with a 18 or 19 yard per catch with a high touchdown volume, uh, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. I will go over as well. ADP of 90.67, wide receiver 45. Just ahead of them, T.Y. Hilton, Nikhil Harry, and uh, Brandon Cooks. Taking him over those three? I'd probably still take Hilton over him because I, I feel like there's more consistency with Hilton, uh, despite Hilton getting older and, and being a little more injured. Uh, I guess Hilton does have a new quarterback, but Hilton's only, what, 29 or 30? I'll look while Matt answers the question. So, uh, I'd probably take him. Cooks is Brandon Cooks, right? Yes. I'd probably take him over Brandon Cooks because, I mean, I don't. Who knows what Houston's passing is going to be? But I think he and Ian Harry, you know, same class. I would almost think Harry has a better opportunity to be fantasy relevant. That's kind of a toss up. I actually thought when I looked today when I was writing about him that Harry's behind him in ADP. It may have been. This I pulled this off DLF the other day, so I don't know. They uh, they updated every couple of days, I believe. All right, let's see here. Oh, I guess I should answer. I would not take uh I wouldn't take him over any of those three. Uh after him, Mims, AJ Green and Mike Williams. Do you take any of those three over him? I'd take Mike Williams. Um, I, I I'm mixed on AJ Green. I'm I'm so torn after he missed all of last season. It seems like he hasn't played a full season in two or three years now. Um, they brought in T Higgins, who looks to be the heir apparent to him. Boyd has stepped up uh, into a, a big role. Auden Tate has made some phenomenal plays. And John Ross has shown the ability to get in the end zone. And so I get torn with Green. I, I feel like Green is somebody that gets moved during right at the somewhere during training camp that Zach Taylor's like, you know what? I like these young guys. We can move Alex Erickson to our fourth wide receiver. And I'm just gonna go let let's let's get a third round pick or a fourth round pick for AJ Green and we'll move on. He can go somewhere where maybe they're a contender. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it, I was tough, surprised but... they franchise tagged A.J. Green because it seemed like at the end of last year they were committed to letting him walk, and then it seemed like uh, you know part of getting Joe Burrow was he wanted Green, and then they took Higgins. So I, I'm not taking Green. I might take Mims um, over him just because I think the amount of competition that Mims has to go through is – is smaller. I would take Mike Williams for sure. Green would Green would be a coin flip for me. I'd still well, I'd take Hardman over Mims right now. I, I I dare say right now that Adam Gase is formidable competition. <laughs> All right, so Sammy Watkins, wide receiver thirty eight, over or under, over, over. Agreed. ADP of one forty eight point six seven, wide receiver sixty four off the board, just ahead of him. Uh, there's Curtis no Samuel. What? Curtis Samuel. Yeah, that's probably right. Hang yeah. on here. Let's see here. 
Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, Julian Edelman. That would make sense right there. Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson. Hmm, interesting. Julian Edelman. Doesn't that feel low for Edelman? Um, yes, it does. But I think that's something to do with uh, um, God, I just lost him. Well, uh, Sammy Watkins. Oh, you're talking about Edelman's ADP. Yeah, I think I that probably is because of the off season when they thought it was going to be Stedham and Hoyer. I've seen it go up a little bit recently because he was even lower than where he was at. Um. I would not take Watkins over any of those. Yeah, me either. Uh, just after him, Corey Davis, Emmanuel Sanders, James Washington. Any of those three over Watkins? Davis. Man, I want to take Corey Davis. I mean, we <laughs> saw Devontae Parker have a late late first contract breakout. Uh, it's going to happen. It's got to happen this year, right? Da- Davis has flashed some nice plays. Yeah, two uh, a year. It's fantastic. <laughs> I I I'd probably take Davis over him. Uh, I haven't seen. Uh, I don't think Washington at this point has shown he's any more consistent than Watkins. And uh, at this stage of his career, I'm out on Sanders. See, I'm going to take Emmanuel Sanders. I think he has a couple of good years. Watkins, Watkins. I I know he's not that old, but. You know, this off season, he talked about he would he might be fine. Take you know, just stepping away from the game. He got his he got his ring. He's definitely been beat up. I don't know. Might go Ricky Williams on us. You know, I don't know how great he's going to be this year, and I don't know. You know, what's the next evolution in the Sammy Watkins journey? Yeah, I agree. I would take Sanders for sure. I just I think he's going to be more productive with New Orleans than Sammy will be with Kansas City. Uh, Kelsey tied in two, over or under? Well, that's where I have him in my rankings. Well, you guys both said under earlier. You said easily to quote both. Under. Of that that, that, that was Kelsey and Kittle. You weren't including Andrews there. That was just oh, Kelsey and Kittle. Yeah, I said no. I said. Is Kelsey? Oh, you have Andrews as your TE one. I do. The question earlier was: Is Kelsey easily tied in one? And both of you were like, "Yeah, easily." Well, I guess I forgot about it. Like, we can't be held accountable for what we said fifteen. We said minutes about ago. fifteen minutes ago. The world right? has changed since then. <laughs> All right, I will go over. I don't think. Uh, wait, over's bad. Yeah, over's bad. Yeah, I think actually Andrews and Kittle will finish ahead of them this year. Uh, ADP of 26.83. He is tied in two off the board just ahead of him, Kittle. I'm taking Kittle first. What about you guys? I'm probably taking Kelsey. I, I think I think in my rankings I had it Andrews, Kelsey, Kittle. And, and again, it was volume. I would take Kittle over. After him, Andrews, Ingram, Ertz. So we know Dennis would take Andrews. Would you take Ingram or Ertz? Nah. I would take Andrews as well. So would I. I love Mark Andrews. Can't but, my- I mean, we're talking about dynasty. Yeah. I think Travis Kelsey still could be number one in 2020, but he's getting older. So, I mean, Kittle and Andrews are guys that are kind of coming into that prime. It's the same reason I wouldn't take Ertz over him because, you know, he's, Ertz has competition on his own team. I, I'm not 100% sold he can hold off Ricky Seals-Jones and uh, Blake Bell. Huh. 
All right. <laughs> Moving on. on. On that wonderful note, uh, Denver Broncos, Matt Fox's Denver Broncos, his beloved Broncos, 7-9 last year, missed the playoffs. Are we all in or all out? You have to choose one on Drew Locke's sophomore bump or slump. Let me consult my rosters. Oh, wait, I'm all in. <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm in, too. I, I'm big on uh, Cortland Sutton this year. I think Sutton is going to have a fantastic year. Uh, I like Noah Fant to have a good year at tight end. Philip Lindsay is, you know, he's going to be the 1A to Melvin Gordon's 1B and, and put up some good numbers there. And I think that's going to allow Jerry Judy uh, to step into that second, third wide receiver role there and and uh, grow into it. He's, he's going to be able to – he's not going to feel the pressure because they've got an alpha wide receiver. So I, I'm in. Matt, did you already answer? Yes. I am all in on the sophomore bump as well. New additions. I want to throw this in there because Matt has brought up many a times that the Broncos have done a good job of bringing in undrafted free agents. So they brought in Levante Bellamy, which I thought was an interesting signing. They brought over Melvin Gordon, Jeff Driscoll as the backup. In the draft, Jerry Judy in the first round, K.J. Hamler in the second, King Albert in the fourth, and Tyree Cleveland in the seventh. Their losses, Devontae Booker, Theo Riddick, Joe Flacco, and our guy, Philip Lindsay, friend of the show, is on an expiring contract after this season. Uh, fantasy finishes, Drew Locke, QB 37, 71 points in five games. Philip Lindsay, RB 19, 162.7. Melvin Gordon, RB 25, 138.8 with the holdout and with Los Angeles last year. Cortland Sutton, wide receiver, 17, 150.4 points. Noah Fant, tight end, 16, 71 points. Locke has had the offense that seems built around him this offseason. While obviously a small sample size, where would you cap his ceiling and floor for 2020? Where 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 were where did we have him ranked in our quarterback rankings? I don't know. You two were low on him compared to me. I, I had him sixteen. I think his ceiling is probably being, you know, if he can get into that QB one range, his floor is that he ends up falling just short of QB two range. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that QB eleven twelve is probably the ceiling. QB twenty. 425 is probably the floor. All right. We all seem to believe Lindsay will be the leader of the Denver backfield for fantasy based on our rankings last Thursday. How tight a race is it, and would you draft both of them? I obviously would not draft both of them. Yeah. I think I've made that very clear. I, I think it could potentially be uh, a lot closer than people think. I also think there's been a lot of narrative that Philip Lindsay's not a good receiver, um, which is kind of crap. He was a decent receiver in college. The way that he first worked himself into the rotation for Denver was as a third down back. His first big splash play was a 29-yard wheel route for a touchdown. He just ended up being a better runner than the guys he was competing against, and that kind of went into his role. I think they're going to use them both. Um, Lindsay's been pretty vocal in the last few weeks of saying that I'm not just going to give give up, that he's going to have to come through me. And we've seen, you know, the Denver Broncos official account posted uh, shots of Locke and Lindsay working on passing routes uh, the other day. So, you know, I 
there's some people that just think Melvin Gordon is going to just be the guy and everybody else is window dressing. I don't feel it's going to be that way. But at the same time, you don't give Gordon that contract and go get him if you're not intending to play him. So barring injury, you know, probably realistically 60-40. So how long is Gordon's contract? Two years. And do they have – what's the out after this year? Is it expensive? Uh, yeah, it's – it wouldn't make a ton of sense to out. I looked. Um, yeah, I think it's actually a bigger cap hit next year than this year. Because yeah, I, I could see, you know, if Lindsay outplays Gordon this year, you know, they're going to want to try to keep him, I think. Because yeah. Gordon's going to be, what, 27, 28 years old. Uh, he's already, you know, he, had, he started his career very inefficient uh, on high volume. Um, so it would, I was wrong. It would be a $6.5 million cap hit to release him next year. Uh, but he's costs 9 million uh, this year. He costs 7 million, but it's a 13.5 cap hit. So big cap hit for running. Yeah. Six mil. Yeah. But I mean, if you're gonna, you know, you know, at teams eat contracts all the time. And so you end up with this, are they going to be better with with Gordon or without him? And if they if Lindsey plays his ass off this year, uh, you know I could see the team saying, "Well, we're we're clearly better." And if Gordon doesn't want to play this subordinate role, it doesn't make sense to keep him around. Is Sutton a top twelve wide receiver in twenty twenty? Yep. Yes. So one of the three of us may have written a piece for uh, a little website called Dynasty Nerds about uh, oh. Portland Sutton being a wide receiver one. One Dennis, wasn't me, so it's probably you would be my guess. It's probably. <laughs> uh, does Fant take a back seat with all the weapons? That's kind of been a talk this offseason, right? They brought in all these players, and there's just no way that they can spread the ball around enough to get all these guys. So is Fant the one that takes the back seat? Now, I, I think he could actually end up being a tight end one. I think he's going to end up being the second passing target. I like uh, Judy and Hamler's picks fine. They still have Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick, who are both going into third year. I am not set that one of those guys really gets up to speed and gets the volume in this first year. I think Sutton and Fant are going to be the top two. They've been trying to pattern themselves, I think, yeah, offensively, they looked at what Kansas City has done, and they've been trying to pattern off of that. If you kind of went by that, who is Kansas City's, you know, top offensive players? It's their big tight end that you can't stop, and it's you know their a number one wide receiver. And I think everything else is pieces that you can move around that you can that you can use on offense. I think Denver has that very much in mind. So let's see where did Denver finish? So they were. 27th last year in pass attempts with 504 and really they move into the top 20 with 30 more attempts given the quarterbacks they had last year Locke being out for most of the year Joe Flacco was was Brandon Allen so I don't think it's a stretch to think that the, the Broncos with weapons like uh, Judy and Fant and Hamler and Sutton, I don't think it's a stretch to project them to throw the ball 
550, 575 times. And, and so I, I do think that there's plenty of opportunity there. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. It just seems to be a, a common, you know, uh, I guess storyline right now with the, with all the weapons that they have that someone's going to have to take a, take a back seat. And it seems to be fancy when that's talked about the most. This is just for 2020. Obviously, a lot of people really like Judy. Uh, but just for 2020, do you trust anyone outside of Sutton in the wide receiver group? Not for 2020. I think that, you know, when you have two rookies that are your wide receiver two and three, it, it could it could happen, but I think there's going to be issues of consistency, and then that's going to end up with you know guys like Tim Patrick and Deontay Spencer uh, playing more snaps than you would like at certain times, especially with this truncated off season. So uh, for me, as much as uh, I would, as much hope as I have for Judy, I'm not so big on Hamler. Um, but I think that it's it's going to be a situation where Cortland Sutton is clearly the the one, and the other two guys just are, are going to have to they're going to have to work at it this year. I think especially early in the season, if you don't have those real game reps, uh, you know they have Tim Patrick who has experience, and I'm not really ready to write off Deshaun Hamilton yet. They they took him in the draft, and when they took him and Sutton, there was a lot of talk that they were going to be, you know, the next wide, big wide receiver tandem. You know, Hamilton didn't take a, a step forward in year two, but there were times at the end of his rookie year that he actually looked pretty good. So maybe a different system, uh, maybe a little bit more competition gives him a little bit of a kick in the butt. And I like Judy and Hamler long term, but I'm, I'm not sold that right away, right out of the gate, they're going to be huge. I, you know, when I was doing the preview for our site, I think, I said my expectation for Judy is a low-end wide receiver three, maybe a wide receiver four feels more likely to me. Yeah, I mean, I hope you're not wrong. I still have Hamilton on a couple taxi squads. I was I was big on him uh, when he came out a couple of years ago. I, I still I still like him, but, man, Ju- Judy's definitely a better route runner. All right, so over-under is Drew Locke, QB 15, over or under? I'm going a little bit over. Not too much. I'm going to ask – say to hell with my rankings and go under <laughs> i will go under because i had him under my rankings adp of 162.67 qb 17 off the board just ahead of him golf stafford and daniel jones you taking him over any of those three i'm probably taking him over golf pretty comfortably i'm taking him over golf and jones Goff for sure. Jones would be a coin flip. I'm pretty sure that's what I said when we did the giant show. So I'm going to stick with that. I like Jones. I like his, his rushing ability a little bit. So I would, I would stick. That'd be a coin flip for me under Darnold cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo. You take in any of those three over lot. Not me. Uh, at times I might take Darnold. I like Darnold. I think that he's got a lot of talent. Um, and I feel like he's going to be out from under Gase after this season. I don't know if he'll be in a better situation. You know, we've seen terrible coaches, i.e., Adam Gase, fail miserably and go to other teams, i.e., uh, the Jets. So who knows? Hugh Jackson could be the next head coach of the Jets. <laughs> 
<laughs> Every, everyone in New York just turned us off. Yeah, Jets fans now hate this podcast. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't take any of them. I love, I love myself some Captain Clutch cousins, but I, I don't think I could take him over Locke. Not, not with the weapons that Locke has. Melvin Gordon, RB twenty four in twenty twenty, over or under? Over. Well, let me see. You had him below that. I believe yeah, I did. I we all did actually. We all did. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. You didn't. You and you I didn't. had him at, at twenty six. Oops. Yeah. So we I, all had him over. Yeah. You. Oh, Dennis doesn't. Dennis had him below that. No, I'm pretty sure we all had because we all talked about Gordon and Lindsay on last episode, and we stopped at. 20. I had Gordon at nineteen. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah. Lindsay, he, at did, he did not. Dennis did not talk about Gordon. We talked about Gordon. So I'm going to have to update my rankings. <laughs> so Why, you did going you just go over? over? Uh, what what was the number again? Twenty four. Yeah, 24. I I have him under, and and I get even if I flipped uh, him and Lindsay, he's still on. He'd be twenty three. So. I will I will go over because I had him over on Thursday. ADP of fifty point six seven, RB twenty one off the board, just ahead of him. Gurley, Fournette, and Swift. I would not take him over any of those three. Would you guys? Oh, I definitely. Uh, I'm definitely taking Fournette over him. Uh, probably for twenty twenty. I'm going to say I'd take Gurley. I, I I don't think I would Swift though. I think I might. You know the, the rookies this year, for for just one season, uh, they worry me. Yeah, I mean, but we're playing dynasty. I, I I can't bring myself to draft Melvin Gordon. I'll assert my Fifth Amendment right against self incrimination. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of someone really quick. So, man, what is a who's a who's a good running back? Hang on, let me let me just pull it up real quick. Uh, here, I'll continue really quick uh, while I'm doing that. Oh, where'd I go? Lost, lost the sheet. Now I'm looking at Deshaun Hamilton stats for some reason again. I don't want to do that. Just behind him, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, and Le'Veon Bell. Are you taking any of those three over Gordon? Uh, I'm taking Bell and, and Montgomery. Um, Singletary. Uh, probably not Singletary. Yeah, I really like the potential of Montgomery this year, and you know I can't quit Le'Veon Bell. Um, Singletary, I, I would. I'm I not a big fan of Gordon, so I would probably definitely take him. But in terms of production this year, Singletary is the one that is a little scary. I guess Bell's a little scary looking beyond this year, because um, who knows what's going to even happen to him. But I would probably end up taking all three. Uh, I would not take – man, I'm trying to figure out who do I hate more, Le'Veon Bell or Melvin Gordon. I'd probably take – I wouldn't take Bell over him just because I think Adam Gates is a complete idiot. So I, I would still take Gordon there just because I trust Denver's going to run the ball. So this is a question for Matt. Reggie Bonifon or Melvin Gordon? Who are you taking in the draft? Do I have Christian McCaffrey? Mm, yes. <laughs> no, you don't. Because, you know, I read the Handcuff Heaven article about Reggie Bonifon, and so I was thinking that, you know, I had some regrets I didn't take him in the places I have McCaffrey. 
What about Salvan Ahmed from San Francisco or Melbourne? I believe, you, I believe you just made that name up. So no, I, I mean out of Washington, re- that'd be a really good running in back. Re- like in reality, in the in the sixth round of my Scott Fishbowl mock last night, I was pretty close to taking Melvin Gordon. Thank God, the person right in front of me took him because I was thinking. I'm going to have to just compromise all my integrity and and draft to win here. All right, so Philip Lindsay, RB22, over or under? Over. I'm going to say under, just under, because I'm currently updating my rankings and flipping <laughs> Gordon, Gordon and Lindsay since I just waxed poetically about uh, Lindsay being the 60-40. I really think, you know, Gordon Lindsay end up both on the cusp of RB2 because of having a more even split. You know, Lindsay was RB19 last year uh, in PPR, getting just, uh, you know, probably 75% of the, the work. I think if they split more, they're both right around the 24, 25, 26 mark. I will go over as well. ADP 126.67, RB42. Just ahead of them, and Antonio Gibson, Marlon Mack, and Tariq Cohen. You taking him over any of those three? I would take him over all of them, and also because I, you know the fact he's in a contract year. Dennis is right; either he balls out and gets a big deal, and he's the guy in Denver, or you're talking about a young guy who his first two years went from undrafted to having thousand yard seasons as a Pro Bowler as a rookie. Uh, you know that could end up being a pretty attractive target somewhere else, which. I just threw up a little in my mouth even thinking about. You know, I, I guess I, as I look at it here and I keep talking about rookies um, and the veterans in front of them, i.e. Mac, Damian Williams, uh, on Johnson, Daryl Henderson, you know, I, I don't, I, I guess I don't think that Lindsay's, situation is really any different from any of those guys. Uh, so essentially, you know, Gordon is kind of like a hot shot rookie coming in there. Uh, I, I'm not going to take, I don't, I'm not taking Gibson. I, 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 in a PPR league, I feel like I can, if I believe that Cohen is going to get a hundred targets again this year, and Chicago didn't bring anybody in, you know, it's, it's Cohen and Montgomery. I, I can make the case to convince myself to take Cohen over Lindsay. Um, but you know, I, I can't Mac. I, as much as, as much as I've been uh, a Marlon Mac guy, I, 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 I'm in big 10 country and I watch Jonathan Taylor play. So, uh, un, he, Taylor is kind of the opposite of uh, Anthony McFarland, where McFarland had one great game against the Buckeyes. Taylor didn't have so many good games against the Buckeyes, but Taylor had an awful lot of really good games. Yeah, uh, for me, I would take him over all three. Uh, I don't really believe in Cohen or Mac. I like Gibson a lot, but I'm still going to take Lindsey. Uh, he's got the proven track record in the NFL. Just behind him, James White, Jordan Howard, and Tony Pollard. You taking any of those three over Lindsey? I would not. I would not either. Uh, I I wouldn't. Um, I suppose if I heard more rumblings about 
Gordon being handed the job as opposed to having to earn it, I might be able to convince myself to take Howard because I do feel like Howard is going to be the two down back there in Miami. Uh, and I feel like they're going to, they're, they play hard enough. They're going to keep games close enough that Howard is going to have some value in that two down role. Uh, but for the most part, no, I'm sticking with Lindsay. Cortland Sutton, wide receiver 12, over or under? Slight under. Slight under. I will go under as well. ADP of 38.5, wide receiver 16, just over him. Calvin Ridley, Allen Robinson, Julio Jones. You taking him over any of those three? Definitely taking him over. Ridley gets much closer with A-Rob and Julio. I I think Julio is my Godwin, Nighthawk. Uh, yeah. I, I love Julio Jones. I just love Julio Jones. Um, but man, I love Sutton too. So uh, I quit. I would take him over all three. Yeah, I, I kind of expected that one. Uh, I would take him over Ridley for sure. A Rob and Julio would be a coin flip. I actually, I, I still think I'd take Julio over Sutton. I love Sutton. God, it's so hard though because He's, Julio might retire in like two years, and I think Atlanta's. But Atlanta is going to be. They're probably going to lead the league in attempts. Julio is going to lead them in targets, but not touchdowns. Maybe, but he doesn't have to. He could get eighteen hundred yards and six touchdowns, and and have a pretty productive year. See, in redraft, and I would take Julio just because I, I do agree with the, the twenty twenty. He's probably better. I haven't ranked higher for twenty twenty, but for dynasty, I'm not. Cooper Cup, DK Metcalf, and Stefan Diggs uh, just behind him. You taking any of those three over set? Nope. Nope. I agree with that. Jerry Judy, wide receiver 33 in 2020, over or under? Over. Yeah, I think over as well. I agree with that. ADP of 47.83. He's the 23rd wide receiver off the board. Just ahead of him, DJ Chark, Keenan Allen, and C.D. Lamb. You taking him over any of those three? Nope. Don't do it, Matt. Uh, Don't do it. <laughs> I would probably take him over, Chark. I just, I'm not sold. Oh, come on. DJ Chark's a baller. I would not take him over any of those three. Just behind him, McLaurin, Robert Woods, and Debo. You take in any of those three over Judy? I'm probably taking all three of them, though. It's it's close with Woods because of uh, Woods' age. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, I'm all about the Terry McLaurin. Definitely taking McLaurin over him. Uh, it's possible I would take Woods. I don't know about Debo Samuel. Uh, you know, it's not a super high-volume passing offense. He's kind of like Weapon X, but I, I probably would, would – that one's kind of more of a coin flip. Robert Woods seems like he's going to get quite a ton of volume. So I pro- he's probably, as we've talked about, one of the most uh, underrated guys. So what you're telling me is that DJ Chark is really like wide receiver 37 for you because you, you take Judy over him and you take McLaurin. I, I'm pretty sure I don't have him in the top 30 when I did it. Yeah. Oh my God. I 100%. Wow. I think Jack, Jacksonville is going to be a hot, hot train mess. They are. 
but the, Mr. Jorts himself will get the ball to DJ Chark. Look, I'm a DD DD Westbrook truther. So is that guy? That guy, Chris, Chris Conley for life. No, I'm just kidding. I, I just, no, I, 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 I don't know. I just, I'm not sold on Jacksonville. DD Westbrook, my side piece. <laughs> I would take McLaurin and Woods uh, for sure over Judy. Debo, I'm kind of with Matt on that one. The injuries in college and now in the NFL, he, he suffered injuries both years. I, I'm just worried about Debo. I think I'd still I'd still rather take Judy over Debo. Last but not least for Denver, Noah Fan, tight end nine in 2020, over or under? I go slight over. Yeah, over for me as well. I will go under. ADP of 86, tight end 7 off the board, just ahead of him. Darren Waller, Zach Ertz, and Evan Ingram. I would take him over Waller, but that, and actually I'd take him over Ingram as well. What about you guys? I'm definitely taking him over Ingram. I'm, the injury bug, he just can't seem to shake that, and that whether it's redraft or or dynasty, I just get – I'm just touchy. I feel like Ertz is still going to have – Good volume this year, but I, I think I want Fant. Um, and boy, Waller balled out last year. It was, you know, and that, but they brought in so much other receiving talent. You've got to think that that's going to affect the guys that were there. Um, I still think I'd take Waller over Fant. Yeah, I would take him over Ingram kind of for. For what you said, I would probably take him over Ertz too because I just I'd rather be a year too early on Ertz than too late. I he's been a great player, but he's getting older, and I, I actually on that team Goddard is the one that I gravitate toward. Uh, Henry Hawkinson and Goddard are all behind him. Would you take any of those three over Fan? I would not. Well, I. I love me my Detroit Lions and TJ Hawkinson. Here, love. But uh, no, I I probably uh, I'm probably going Fant over all of them. As am I. So before we close out of here, we're supposed to bring this up at the beginning. As you can see on all of our little taglines here, it is Scott Fishbowl Ten Day. Talk a little bit about our drafts. Let's see here. I'm praying Waller falls to me at 412. I am praying for you as well there, Boz. I hope he falls to you there in your Scott Fishbowl draft, which is what we are about to talk about now. So how are your guys uh, going? How's your drafts going for you guys? I know you guys are both ahead of mine. The, what divisions are you in? What pick did you have? Any surprises in your drafts? Well, I am in the Magic 8-Ball division, and I'm picking out of the 104 uh, which, you know, as I look at leading up to it, I, I felt like there was a clear top four, uh, and, and I wanted to make sure I got at least one of them as the, as the lead up to the Scott fish bowl sort of played out, I felt like Elliot and Kamara moved up pretty close to within that, uh, top four. So I feel like, uh, I, I, I almost wish I would have went with like 105 or 106, but I did take uh, it. Did the first three picks played out pretty much like I expected? Uh, McCaffrey, Mahomes, Lamar, and so I started off with Saquon Barkley uh, at the 104. I was holding out hope that 
by some chance Drew Brees would fall down to me at 209. But uh, if you watched all the chatter going on around uh, the SFBX, um, Brees was essentially the most efficient passer uh, in in uh, the the scoring system, and really was was QB two or three uh, in overall scoring for for the quarterbacks. Um, so he went at two hundred one. My thought was, well, where can I make a, a – at 209, I was looking, is there – what position has the steepest drop-off? There were, I think, seven or eight quarterbacks had went by that time, and I felt like there was still a decent decent tier of quarterbacks. So I took uh, Mark Andrews at the 209. For me, you know, he's my tight end one for this year. This is a tight end premium league. Uh, he was the tight end three in in, in this uh, draft that I'm in, and so I, I felt like I've got myself set up. I can grab a, a backup or two later uh, in one of the later rounds, and then I turned around and with Drew Brees gone, I went Matt Ryan at the three oh four. Hi, he my I was actually I was hoping for Kyler. To drop to me at 209, I would have taken him there. But that was really the last of the quarterbacks that have both passing efficiency and rushing. I think Josh Allen's got Josh Allen and Daniel Jones both have uh, good rushing ability, but they're not terribly efficient passers in Allen's case and uh, turnover guy in Daniel Jones's case. And so I went ahead and took Matt Ryan at 304 who I feel is probably odds-on favorite to lead the league in pass attempts with a really strong offense. So that's where I sit after three rounds. Yeah, I'm in the the GoBots division. Uh, I had pick nine. Um, You know, I did a mock last night, uh, kind of the first one that I got in, and it messed with me a little bit of that and listening to all the different strategies on the Podathon and the, the pick nine, 109 chat. I started kind of panicking watching the way quarterbacks were going. And I, I was going to take Russell Wilson, but I saw Deshaun Watson there and I kind of panic picked that, forgetting about the minus one for sacks, which as soon as I posted my pick chat, they're like, ah, you're going to really regret. And I was like, oh, damn. Uh, but then at uh, 204, when it came back, I was able to get Kittle, which I thought was pretty good because a lot of people have been talking, you know, and then the mock I did, tight ends went pretty quick. Um, then coming back, just I was watching quarterbacks going, and so I took Wentz, and it started like a quarterback run, um, you know, a ton of the picks behind me. And then, you know, I sort of forgot that, in this format, it's better to fade receivers. And when I saw my boy Chris Godwin, I took him in the fourth round and then just remembered that I unwittingly went zero running back uh, in a format where that's not a great idea. So I have regrets is what I have so far. What what division are you in again? GoBots. GoBots. So I'm in the DC figures division. I'm picking at eight. Uh. I, I guess I don't want to say I panic picked. I wanted to get a tight end, and I, I knew I was going to take one either with my first pick or my second pick. I decided to go Kittle at 1-8. Kelsey went at 6. 
Um, you know, some of the guys that were right there I thought about was Kamara, Cook, and Dak all went right after me. But I thought with the as deep as running back was, like I was even considering Derrick Henry somewhere on this turn. And I, I really don't like Derrick Henry, but I figured with as many running backs that were still available at that point, I knew I could get someone on that turn around. I, I already knew I was kind of going to fade quarterback for this first part, try to attack him later. And so I ended up getting Chubb at, at 2.5, which I'm happy with. Uh, you know, right now, uh, Murray, Watson, and Wilson all went in the second round. I've got about, what is that, seven picks before my – no, I'm sorry, eight picks before my next pick. Still a lot of really good quarterbacks on the board, so I don't hate the way my draft is going right now. A lot more wide receivers have gone than I thought were going to go so far, but there's still a lot of players left on the board. So I'm, I'm really wanting this third round to get here so I kind of see what happens with my third and fourth pick. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll definitely talk more about it on Thursday, I'd imagine, by this point. We'll, uh, we'll hopefully be five or six, maybe even more, hopefully maybe double-digit rounds into the draft by the time Thursday rolls around, but we'll see. Who are your favorite Superflex quarterbacks after Matt Ryan, Stafford, and Brady goes? Um, Let's see here. I actually have my queue already done up, so I can tell you how I have mine. So I assume – okay, so – man, I don't really don't like any. Kirk Cousins and Jimmy G, Ryan Tannehill. Those would be the next three for me. Tannehill and and Derek Carr, surprisingly, with his high completion percentage, yeah, it does get a lot of uh, a lot of points in the Scott Fishbowl on that chart that I sent you at the end. It's just the the worry for me about Carr is does he stay in there the whole season? And I, I, there, are, it's weird because in this format, some of the quarterback scoring, you know, some quarterbacks that you like in other formats because of the sacks and the, the negatives on completions. Well, there were seven quarterbacks from last season that had positive points based on uh, pass attempts and completions alone. Yeah. And the highest scoring of those was uh, Drew Brees with 43.5 points. So, you know, it was the those that minus one per incompletion. That's a yeah, kill. You basically have to, if you're anything less than sixty six percent, you're losing on completions. Yeah, because you you need to be at a two to one rate to even even out. Yeah, that's why as 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 much as uh as much as I hate to say this because I'm not a big Jimmy G fan, that's actually kind of why I think Jimmy G works well in this. He doesn't take a lot of sacks. He always has a high completion percentage. He just doesn't get you a shit ton of yards and touchdowns. So, but I mean, he's not, especially after those three guys go, he's a guy you can get late. Another guy that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, I think could be good is, uh, we just talked about him earlier, Teddy Bridgewater with Carolina. I think with, with the way they're running that offense, it's going to dump off a lot to CMC more Samuel. I think he could have a very high completion percentage there. Don't think he'll take a lot of sacks. That their whole point of their offense is getting the ball out quickly. So he's another guy I target late as well. I mean, surprisingly enough, of those seven quarterbacks, Matt, uh, one of them was Deshaun Watson. So yeah, that makes me feel a little bit better. I, yeah. you know, I don't remember him. I, I thought he did a little better with sacks. It just when somebody put that, you know, the minus one sacks, I was like, oh, I forgot about that because I played in a minus one sacks league once before, and I had Eli friggin' Manning. Oh, and, oh god, he just he just murdered me a couple of weeks. 
The yeah. the one person I'll say, go ahead, Dennis, because I, I want to close it out with one more quarterback. I, I, I was just going to say that of those seven quarterbacks, they had positive points. So the rundown, Drew Brees, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Deshaun Watson, and Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater, I'm telling you, everybody's sleeping on him, man. He's going to be good. Let's see here. Carolina has week 13 playoff bot. Does that change? Yes. Because in, in Scott Fitchball, that is the week one of the playoffs. So if you invested in, there were some people that really touting their top two picks being a Breeze Michael Thomas stack. And I'm like, I hope you enjoy the regular season. <laughs> the only reason I wouldn't is uh, because I've already talked about many times. I'm not even sure how much I'm buying into the super flex strategy, which is bad as some of those quarterbacks go. So depending on who you, if you're taking Teddy Bridgewater as your one quarterback, yeah, you're fucked. I would, I would definitely try and grab someone before them. But if he's going to be your two, I imagine you probably built yourself a decent amount of running backs or wide receivers before that. You could possibly play in the super flex spot and hopefully get by. But no, I, I, you got to get to the playoffs to begin with, right? So I, I'll worry about the playoffs when they get here. I'm not planning for week 13. I got to get to week 13. And, and we Look, saw you can just week. trade for a guy. Oh, wait. Yeah, no, you can't. All right, so before we cut out, we'll be back on Thursday. We'll talk the rest of our – what do we at? What did we stop at last week? 20? We're going 19 to 1 for running backs. No, we stopped at 20. We teased 20, remember? Den- I know. Den- very we, gave, we all gave our number 20s. So 20 through 1, we're going to go all of them? I don't know. We'll see. Maybe 20 through 12 because I want to definitely talk some more Scott Fishbowl with uh, with Tony. My last quarterback, and I'm going to cut it off at this so you guys cannot argue with me. Baker Mayfield is going to be a top five quarterback in Scott Fishbowl this year. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Oh, they tackle him at the point of Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can! I can.